Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller and this is a pro wrestling podcast. Right, we're about to break the, the time uh, continuum, whatever that's called now, because time-space continuum. Time sphere was in my head for some reason. Anyway, basically, I am recording this on a Friday around about 1pm in the afternoon. And later on, we're going to get to the Wednesday episode that I haven't done yet because life this week went crazy. Now, I'm going to explain what happened on that episode, but just in case anything comes up on this episode that you'll be hearing on Saturday and that I also talk about later, that is why. I've explained it now. Again, makes no sense because obviously I'm a, it doesn't matter. I'm just letting you know what the deal is. The point is I wanted to make sure I got the two episodes done. A little bit, you know, kind of all over the place this week, but that is what life is all about. Things get thrown at you, you deal with them, and you go on to whatever is next. But yes, if you had never listened to this before, it is a pro wrestling podcast with me, Simon Miller. And in our second episode of the week, even though this week is absolutely the first, we always get a member of my Patreon community on. That's just patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. That helps support all my personal jobs such as this. I wouldn't be able to do these podcasts or any of the videos I do on my YouTube channel, uh, which is just the Miller Report rules if you want to check out that. Without them, and I'm very happy to say that joining me today to talk about wrestling for a little while is my man Toby. Toby, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks, dude. Like I say, it's been a long, crazy week. Um, there's been a lot going on in wrestling, obviously, which I always like to you know, keep, keep my ear to. But otherwise, man, yeah, I'm all good. Now, again, I'm sure you've listened to the podcast before. I'm sure you know the 411. But I always enjoy learning how people got into pro wrestling to begin with. So if you can just give me a bit of flavor why you started watching pro wrestling, why you still watch it now. The best will always be the time I had this conversation with someone. They told me they actually hated pro wrestling. That was the best. But yeah, you let me know. Uh, how did you get into it, man? Where did it start? Well, I'm disappointed to let you know I love professional wrestling. Nah, that, that doesn't disappoint me, man. That's what I'm all about. I'm all about that positivity. Yeah, I've been, uh, been a fan for uh, well over 20 years now. Um, so I, I first became aware of it back in the 80s when World of Sport was on. Um, when Big Daddy was fighting giant haystacks and I didn't really get into it then I didn't really like it that much but I got into it more a little bit later when uh, WWF as it was known then uh, came became quite prominent on Sky I didn't have Sky myself but I had some friends who did and I think the first show I ever saw was prob the first full show I saw was called Battle Royal at the Albert Hall in I remember that yeah it was uh, really enjoyed it it was the one that British Bulldog won indeed but um, it's from that moment on, it, I, it just absolutely fascinated me. And uh, although I've had, like most of your listeners and, uh, and people you've had on, there have been times where I've been l- less into it than others. Uh, yeah, I've been pretty much into wrestling ever since then. Who was the first person you saw that made you go, wow, who's that guy? Mine was always Bret Hart, which I always find hilarious because it was just a dude in spandex. That's all it took for me. Dude in red, uh, you know, red and uh, black, uh, pink and black spandex. And I was like, oh, I want, I want to watch this. Who was your guy? Oh, Bret was a great guy. But uh, I think for me, I really like the British Bulldog. Um, maybe because of that, that first show that, that I saw uh, that he won it. And also, of course, he was British. And, you know, at the time for me, that was a... That was important, but um, and he looked—he had an amazing look as well. You know, he—he he was huge, 
buff, ripped, and massively strong as far as I could tell them. Uh, so he was probably the first one I was into. Um, but then I didn't really get to watch that much WWF. We, we got more WCW over here. We, had we to did, watch right? Like yeah. 2 a.m. in the morning or something ridiculous. Uh, but I really got into, do you remember Vader? He was probably my favorite heel of all time. Well, as in Big Van Vader, the guy with the mask? Yeah. He was, uh, he was incredibly intimidating, scary. Uh, he had a great move set, but his, the way he used to just beat the hell out of his opponents was, was mad. He didn't, no one else was quite like him. And I think he was probably my first real favorite wrestler. That's amazing. And was that from watching uh, WCW and stuff like that? Worldwide, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it had to be. Yeah, because that was always the thing, the weird thing with Vader was my, again, I don't really understand how I did this given that I lived in the UK as well. I guess it just must be an age thing and what's accessible to you. But yeah, I wasn't really exposed to Vader until he had his WWF run in, what, 96 or wherever it was. And obviously that was really watered down. So it wasn't until my later years when, you know, the internet opened up and accessibility ability to wrestling that wasn't you know as accessible as it was elsewhere but came easier that i actually realized oh man you know not only you know because in wwf quite literally he was portrayed as an overweight guy like that's actually what he came out and said in a promo i'm just a big fat piece of shit or whatever he said one of the worst moments in (laughs) in wrestling history even more so when like you say you learn more about his career and just how good he was at being a heel and being a bad guy and how much he kicked the crap out of each other out of people sorry and it was just like what on earth happened here and I, the only the only sort of end result I could come to is it must be a classic Vince McMahon situation, or reportedly so. You know, if he doesn't make you and you're a character from outside the promotion, you're always going to struggle a little bit. I think you've nailed it. Um, he was absolutely watered down when he came to, to WWF, and it was a real disappointment for me. I think he, he headlined one event, which was SummerSlam 95, and even that was a disappointment. His, I think the... The best thing he did was the Royal Rumble '96. Was which was the uh, sorry, the sometime '96 was the one I was talking about, wasn't it? Um, but the Royal Rumble was, was his first entrance. He made an impact then, and so it was all promising and all, all exciting when he came in. And I was still quite young, of course. But then, very very shortly after that, he went downhill big time. And I think you're right. I think Vince had a lot to do with that. There was, there was rumours as well that apparently yeah, Shawn Michaels didn't want to work with him. Apparently he was a little bit too snug for Shawn Michaels' liking. I think that apparently killed his push as well. I swear there's rumours out there, and I'm just spitballing here, so I could be absolutely wrong. But I, I swear there's stuff out there as well where people said that you know he was even in line for actually win the WWF title. But again, Shawn Michaels like, no way, man. I'm nixing that right. I'm not having Vader punch me in the face, which I kind of understand. But at the same time, you know, working snug, as they say, is just a... Uh, it's just part of the wrestling business. I mean, that's just what some people some people yep. do. But no, it is it is nuts. You're right. And he kind of fell off a cliff. And then eventually, obviously, he just left WWE. And he went back out to Japan and wherever else that he went. And I think he did quite successfully when he went back to Japan. I think he, he probably made the right move, professionally speaking. Um, unfortunately for me, that meant I didn't really get to see him very much after that. Uh, but yeah, he was, he was the first guy that I really got behind. Um, and I loved his program with Sting. And Ron Simmons as well in, in WCW. I thought they all worked really, really well together. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything he did. I liked his Mick Foley stuff as well, which obviously, after I read Mick Foley's book, I went to watch the Cactus Jack matches. And it is just, wow. I mean, no wonder, no wonder you know, both of them had, uh, had ailments after their wrestling careers were done because, I mean, yeah, they were vicious, absolutely vicious matches. 
what were. what did you think because obviously when vader passed away was it last year it was, yeah. i think it must have been last year it was a really weird one because i mean obviously it always sucks especially i mean it sucks anyway but when it's someone you have an attachment to even if it is a fan attachment it's still like oh my gosh but i i still think it kind of ties into the fact he's not in the hall of fame either i still kind of think i don't want to say he was done an injustice by anybody but i felt Given his contributions to the business, and I hate saying business, I hate that word, I'm going to take it back, industry, and given the fact that you can argue that he was probably the best big man ever. I mean, he's in the conversation, right? You you, yeah. you have to put him in the conversation. He kind of passed away, which is sad, but it didn't really seem to be, and maybe that was on WWE's behalf or, or whatever, but again, it just kind of, it, it, it kind of came to, it just came and went. And I felt like given that it was Vader passing away, it should have been a, a bigger, bigger deal. Yeah, I think there should have been a bit more fanfare. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word to use. I know what you mean. It's a hard word to come up with, isn't it? Yeah, there should have been more of celebration of his achievements. But, you know, it is what it is. And he didn't make that much of a mark in, in WWF. So I, I guess it's kind of understandable in the context of the conversation. But you're right. It's, it is slightly disappointing that that's what happened, given his immense achievements outside of WWF. What do you think he goes into the Hall of Fame next year? Do you think oh this year I just say good grief? I mean, do you think he's uh, he's because usually what WWE does is they put you know one posthumous person in to 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 the Hall of Fame. Who was last year? Who died last year? Well, I can't remember. But do you think he'll be you know the the celebrity this the celebrity the rest of that goes in this year that kind of has now passed away but will still get a shout? Well, if we uh, take into account the fact that Mean Gene sadly passed away, um, I think he would probably take that position if there was only one slot allocated to that. I think he's in. I think Mean Gene is in. I don't yeah. know. I think I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. That, I, he would be my first choice uh, if, if he hadn't already been uh, uh, in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, I, I take that on board. Um, so yeah, Vader, absolutely. I don't see any reason for him to, to, not, to not be in the Hall of Fame, to be honest, unless there's some, you know, machinations going on that I'm completely unaware of i see no reason for him to not go in i think he'd be a great choice yeah no i agree i absolutely agree i think his son is a wrestler now at least doing some things in wrestling so he could easily induct him i like that though that's why i always like to ask that question you always get a random name coming up because so many people assume it's going to be hulk hogan ultimate warrior i mean bret hart Shawn michaels these are kind of the names you expect but i enjoy it when and we had fit finley came up and you know somebody absolutely loved Brock lesnar and now vader like these are the characters and these are the wrestlers that kind of sit beneath the surface when you're talking about your super mega dudes, but obviously made vast contributions to this thing that we love. I like it. I like it when those names come up, though, especially we haven't talked about yeah. Vader, if at all. Uh, so obviously you move out of the, of that kind of period and we enter into Ashton era and beyond. Yeah. Uh, do, do you remain a fan throughout of all that? Like, do you like it as much as everybody else? Because I know some people that stop watching just before the Ashton era and they kind of come back for the rise of John Cena. I mean, that yeah, that would have been, I think... A bit, of a, a bit of a shame if that had happened to me. Fortunately, it didn't. I, I stopped watching, I think, um, around about 94, I think, when everything got a bit cartoonish for me. <laughs> yeah, it did, yeah. My liking. And uh, and I came back around the time of the rise of Stone Cold. All right, uh, so the perfect time then. Yeah, so shortly after WrestleMania 13, uh, you know, round, round about the time he, he battled Bret Hart in that classic match. Um, and then I, from then on, I was absolutely absorbed with it. Uh, loved the Attitude Era, um, and then from there, I, I became I became more interested in other things that were going on outside of WWF as well and WCW. And obviously, the Monday Night Wars was was a very exciting time. But then you had the rise of ECW as well, 
and uh, when I found ECW, I thought I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was it was so exciting. It was so different. I mean, it looked well pretty crappy in comparison, you know, production wise. But in terms of the the in ring work, it was amazing. And like, the very first show, I, ECW show I saw was Anika Rules nineteen ninety nine. And it was head and shoulders above anything I'd seen uh, WWF or WCW do, with maybe a couple of of exceptions. But um, and then that from there, it's you know I've I've been interested in in indie wrestling outside of WWF and WWE, and to the point where I probably like I probably enjoy those outside promotions a little bit more now. Than WWF, oh, sorry, WWE now. Was was I want to talk about ECW in a second actually because I think it's yeah. quite an interesting conversation. That what other stuff do you watch at the moment? Is that New Japan, Ring of Honor, that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I really enjoy. I, I mean, I've loved the first three series of Lucha Underground. I think they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, New Japan, I'm just getting into Wrestle Kingdom nine, uh, thirteen. Was it might be my favourite show of all time actually? It was really? Why is that, man? Incredible. Every show, every match on it was astounding um i think the first one was probably the weakest the the gauntlet tag team match but yeah every every match after that was five star i'd say and it was the most consistent uh, most consistent card i've seen for a very long time how long have you been watching new japan i'm just intrigued because it, it kind of i'm not saying you know th- th- there are better shows in the past i think you have an absolutely good shout to make that but i always find it interesting about when people start getting into new japan well i signed up to njpw world for Wrestle Kingdom 13. So right. I haven't watched an awful lot before that. I saw yeah. last Wrestle Kingdom, uh, which was also incredibly good. Um, but I, other than that, I haven't seen very, very many shows. What made but, you get it then? What was it last year? I mean, my gut would be that it's Jericho, but I mean, I don't know that for sure. Is it just a, but it couldn't, it may just be the buzz, right? I mean, the last two years well, within wrestling, there just has been a buzz about New Japan. And once again, the accessibility of the internet and everything has just made it so much easier to watch. Yeah, it's the buzz. And it's something I've been, sort of meaning to take the plunge on uh, for a while, uh, getting, you know, subscribing to that service. Um, it, I think the reason I hadn't before is probably more, more due to time than anything else. But, um, yeah, it's just mainly the buzz. It's not Jer- – I like Jericho, but he's definitely not the draw for me. Although, interestingly, I think what, from what I've seen in NJPW, his work in that is, is far better than anything I've ever seen him do in WWE. I think so, and I think it, it kind of comes down... I mean, we, we may as have a chat about that as well. I do want to get back to ECW, but obviously, if you have been reading everything that Jericho's been saying this week on his podcast, he has made out, and I don't see why he'd have any reason to, to lie about it or exaggerate, that the deal that he's got with AEW is the best deal he's ever received in his career. And he was negotiating with WWE as well, but Vince McMahon didn't want to match it. Mm. So I guess to him, that makes sense. Well, I'm going to earn more money, plus I can be part of something that you know could potentially boom and because of me I, you know i can help do that so i can kind of understand on paper you know what why he's headed in why he's heading that direction but i do think him you know, his perception within wwe was almost not at the level 
I'm not saying it's a Cody Rhodes situation, because obviously I know he's won world titles and he's main evented WrestleManias, but I still think he was always treated as maybe like an upper mid-carder as opposed to a proper main eventer. And now that he has gone to New Japan, had these matches with Naito and Omega, now, you know, kind of being the legendary figure that sits within AEW to get people's eyes on the product, I do think this kind of reinvention and everything that he's done has made him a bigger deal, which is strange because he made himself a bigger deal outside of the biggest company, which is kind of backwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you draw, draw a parallel to Cody there, uh, but absolutely the same kind of situation. I think he, Chris Jericho, did kind of hit a glass ceiling there. Um, he, he did fantastically well in, in WWE. He, he got all the championships. He's had incredible matches with a lot of people, and he's a fantastic worker. But um, I think there was only so far he was able to to go there. And by growing outside of that, as you say, he's become something much more. And I'm really excited about him moving to AEW now. Uh, can't wait to see what he's going to do next. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I, I really do think that everything AEW's done so far, I know people go, oh, you're getting too hyped up about it. Yeah, I am. But that's much more exciting than, <laughs> than not doing that. So, yeah, I, I think all their moves have been, have been great. And the fact that Chris Jericho is still going to be able to work New Japan, I think makes New Japan more interesting, especially because they're expanding at the moment. Um, yeah. But I also kind of like what WWE is doing at the moment. I thought Raw and SmackDown this week were far better shows. I, weirdly, I actually preferred Raw to SmackDown this week, which never usually happens. So all in all, yeah, I, I think we are living in... I don't agree with some people's statements that, you know, this is the, the biggest time, the biggest boom ever for pro wrestling. I mean, it's really not. You know, the Attitude Era and sort of the Hogan at his peak era just had much more... I know there is social awareness, thanks to Twitter and Facebook and so on, but just general awareness, I think, was far higher back there, even if they are making more money now. I mean, if you look at it from finances, I guess I, I guess you could um, I guess you could debate that. Right, so let, let, let me just do exactly what I said we shouldn't do. Let's go back before we go forward. But ECW is an interesting one, especially yeah. because here in the UK. Am I going to guess, if my memory serves me right, that you would have watched it on Bravo? <laughs> no, actually. I, I actually watched them on the uh, the videos the vhs right page. where did you get them from because I, I always wanted to watch ecw when i was a kid but i just couldn't find it and then one day i stumbled across it on bravo but bravo would air it at like half 10 i was really young at this point and my parents you know i wasn't allowed to stay up for it and you know the, the way they were cut and the way they were produced did make it look crap compared to wwe i mean we all know that one of wwe's upsides are their are their production services but yeah ecw just it didn't have the same because i didn't know i wasn't educated enough and i always kind of kicked myself uh, in the side for that, because I'm like, oh, if you only had given it some time, you, w- you would have learned about it. So did you just know about ECW and then you hunted out the tapes or did someone give you the heads up? Well, what happened is I, I learned about it through, I don't know if you remember a magazine called uh, Power Slam. Oh, I loved Power Slam, man. I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic, wasn't it? Um, so I, I learned about ECW through there um, and that made me interested enough to, to seek out, um, you know, what some of the shows and uh, we were very, the, the selection that was available to us was very, very limited. I think they came out in dribs and drabs, like individual releases. But I think the first time I saw them in the shops, there may have been two or three to choose from maximum. So we weren't really get, getting a great deal presented to us. But I, you know, picked up one of those one of those tapes, watched it, and it was amazing. Loved it. What was, what was the first event you saw? I think you just said this, but yeah, it was uh, Anarchy Rules. It was Anarchy Rules. So, yeah. what what do you think as well, though? Because it's a weird thing. Like, I I was 
mainly WWE and WCW then. But again, when I go back and watch it years later, you do go, oh, right, WWE literally did borrow all their ideas. <laughs> kind of. Like, you have to have the superstars and the talent to pull it off. You can't just, you know, you can never just take somebody else's ideas and make it work. That's not a formula that, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. You need, you need other attributes as well. But obviously, it was heavily influenced by that, which is probably why Vince McMahon was so happy to work with Paul Heyman. Why have yeah. that as competition when, you know, you're kind of being influenced them by, by so much. But when you first do watch it and clearly, you know, take quite an affinity for it, do you start seeing those parallels then or are you not looking for that? Um, that's an interesting question. I think um, you, you, you definitely saw um, embryonic states uh, of, of certain things. Uh, I mean, some things were completely ripped off, you know, with, without a, even attempting to dress it up. But, yeah, you, you saw the the early early stages, early ideas, and then it was clear that WCW and WWF both took those ideas, ran with them in their own directions, some to more success than others. Yeah, I think so. Did, did you prefer it? Because obviously ECW, if you, it's hard to watch... It was hard to understand the impact it had in 2019 because we have seen so much, right? We've seen people being thrown off. I mean, you could go into YouTube right now and type in, you know, man gets hit with fluorescent light tube. And that's that, you know, it's not a surprise. But back in kind of, say, you know, 1998, maybe 97, whenever, you know, the, the stuff they were doing was different. It's, you didn't see that on, on your, you know, sort of standard average wrestling show every day. So do you think it appealed to you? And I was saying because of the violence, you know, when you're young and stuff, that kind of stuff is like, whoa, what's going on? Do you think it appealed to you because of that? Or did you think, because obviously beneath all that was a very smart booker in Paul Heyman, who was also bringing in people like Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and obviously Stone Cold Steve Austin to do some promos for a while. Like, What was the kind of thing that turned you on to it at first? Because like I say, when I first tried to watch it without context, I couldn't get into it. I mean, I was about 10 or whatever, but still, I couldn't. There was a barrier there. Yes, yeah, so for me, it was never the so-called extreme elements. I was never really a huge fan of violence for violence's sake. Um, what I found intriguing about it is that Paul Heyman had a, a knack of bringing out the best in his talent and hiding the things that they weren't so good at. And I think that is probably, if I had to, if I had to go out on a limb, I'd say that was the reason for ECW feeling as fresh. Mm-hmm and as good as it was um yeah so for me it was the in-ring action that was the primary reason for me enjoying it i mean the the fact that i wasn't able to watch it on a regular basis i wasn't able to watch it week to week but i was still enjoying individual shows is is testament to the fact that the in-ring action was so good because i was able to follow the wwf storylines week to week i was watching raw and smackdown every week at the time so the fact that i was i was still enjoying ecw whilst not being able to follow it on a regular basis, I think was quite indicative that they had something really good going on. Well, I mean, it certainly did, man, right? Because look at the the legacy that it's left. I mean, you know, Paul Heyman was on Raw sort of the, the week before. No, this week. He was on, he was on Raw this week. I mean, you know, he, I understand that he's a great performer, but it was absolutely the legacy that he made in ECW and obviously all the stuff he did behind the scenes with WWE that, you know, has, has brought him to the dance. And you could even argue there's an argument to be had uh, you can also debate it too that we wouldn't have had that big boom if it wasn't for ECW. I know they were always third in the race, and I know they kind of um, burned out long before we kind of hoped they would do. But I absolutely, you know, I think it would be uh, remiss to not include them t- to a certain extent. Absolutely, I agree. 
Yeah, well, there we go. Now, man, it's a long, long time ago. So, I mean, as a super long-term ECW fan, then, what on earth do you think when WWE resurrected in the 2000s or whenever it was? Well, I absolutely loved the One Night Stand show that they had in 2005. Uh, I thought that was, I mean, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, I mean, it was part of the problem was that they weren't able to attract all of the talent that had been famous within ECW. But within the constraints that they that they had, I thought it was a fantastic show, very strong card. And it was, the feeling was there. You know, the, the same buzz was there. It felt like a true ECW show. And again, for the, the following year, I think less so, but there was still that same feeling. Um, I, I enjoyed that, not as much, but I did enjoy it. And I really enjoyed watching RVD beat John Cena for the title. But when they then introduced the brand, ECW. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was a disappointment. That, they didn't, that feeling was completely gone by then. And I don't know really the reason for that. There were probably a multitude of reasons for it, but it, it was something very, very different. It didn't have the same feel, and it was just a disappointment. Well, I think that's the nail on the head, right? It didn't have the same feel because it wasn't being run by the same people. Like, Paul Heyman was involved, but yeah. it was a Vince McMahon project because everything in WWE is. And yes. while a lot of people criticise that, I find I sometimes find it too hard. I, I can't overly criticise it because obviously Vince McMahon hasn't hit a home run every time. But he has hit home runs. So if I'm running my own company and I've got faith in my own abilities, it's, it, it doesn't come across as someone that delegates, is my point. So if you are going to you know, revive ECW, it, it would seem madness that he would ever fully, 100% listen, listen to somebody else. Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know, that's always going to be the main reason something like ECW can't work. I mean, ECW was a passion project. Paul Heyman used to fill those vignettes in his mum's basement or whatever the hell it was. So, you know, they've all of a sudden been given money and a production thing, but then you still want to capture this indie, under-the-radar vibe that's kind of going up against these corporate companies. That's what ECW was. And then when they switched it over to the Sci-Fi Channel and you had mummies and zombies and Frankensteins and and who knows what else coming out. I I, I think the problem was, I mean, it was bad anyway, but I, I think it wouldn't have been as bad if it didn't have the name ECW attached to it. I think that, you know, I I think that really, you could have had, you could have called it, I don't know, you know, PCW, whatever, but you could have had something that maybe was a bit silly, maybe it was a bit more kid-friendly. I can't remember when the ECW brand came back. I know it was somewhere in the late to mid-2000s. But around that time, yeah, WWE was kind of transitioning from the PG era into the adult. They weren't sure what you're doing. You absolutely could have had another brand that kind of tried to to balance, you know, balance that a little bit more to see what people would actually lap up and have these silly characters. And also, it kind of probably could have worked as the NXT works now. Like they pushed Bobby Lashley through that. They pushed CM Punk through that. Um, there's probably somebody else I'm forgetting that, you know, I wouldn't say they got their break there, but they were at least given an opportunity they wouldn't have got elsewhere. And they did move people across. I remember Kurt Angle was in ECW for a while. So... Yeah. I think you're right. I think, to be honest, I think the current NXT product is closer in terms of vibe to ECW than the reignited EC brand, ECW brand ever was. Um, I love NXT. NXT is my favorite brand on, on WWE at the moment by far. Um, but I think that, again, that's, that's in terms of work rate, the, the in-ring performances, um, absolutely loving NXT. I think the 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 workers on that are, are the best in 
across all of WWE, with some maybe a couple of exceptions. But yeah, closer to ECW feel than you know the the ECW branded WWE ever was. With that in mind, then, what do you think about these recent call-ups? Moving on to Raw and SmackDown this week. I mean, if you haven't seen it, basically, what we've seen so far <laughs> on Raw and SmackDown is EC3 smiling at a microphone and then posing in front of a mirror. Uh, Lacey Evans having a chat and then watching TV at a weird angle. Nikki Cross having a pretty good debut, having a pretty good match, but then on SmackDown sort of being trapped in some weird cage fencing and just shaking it and shouting. And obviously heavy machinery, uh, Otis... Uh, Djokovic, however you pronounce his second name, I, I always get confused with it, was both treated as a crazy lech man and somebody that wanted to drink weird protein shakes. I mean, that, that that's a, he was basically treated as someone that had zero IQ, which, I mean, I feel like they've ru- ruined that tag team already. But as somebody who obviously is well into NXT, considers the best WWE brand, obviously, you know, had these guys being pushed for a while... And now we get here, and apparently, the, the always rumour and speculation, but the rumour and speculation is that Vince McMahon has done this, so they have a presence on WWE TV, and as soon as they're ready to do something with them, people won't be like, oh, who's that guy? Now, I think that's a backwards way to do it, but, you know, it's not my company. So, yeah, I mean, what, as a, again, you know, I'm sure you, you, you've seen a lot of what these guys have done down in developmental. How do you feel that, you know, someone like EC3 is now basically a budget Lex Luger? Yeah, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Um, I confess I haven't seen this week's Raw Smackdown, uh, but uh, your descriptions were, were quite good for me to... <laughs> well, I mean, that's literally it. I mean, the EC3 one, he was, you know, on Smackdown, he actually just stood in front of a mirror flexing as I think it was Samoa Joe walked by. He was just in the background. He wasn't even the focus. He was just there. It was weird. Well, that, that's a shame. I think that ECW, uh, EC3 uh, is, is quite a promising, promising talent. He was really, really well in impact, and he's done quite well in NXT as well. I don't think call-ups are necessarily a good idea for anyone. I don't. I can't remember the last time I saw a call-up that resulted in uh, the, the wrestler being pushed appropriately or effectively. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I always feel quite conflicted whenever a, a wrestler is called up because I know that's their ultimate goal is to, to be brought into Raw or SmackDown, but... At the same time, I I always I'm very apprehensive about what they're going to be able to do. So, with these particular call ups, I don't know. We'll see. Is, is, is that <laughs> I think that's fair. Like, I, I, look, I, as uh, we talked about it, it a lot on both these and what culture videos, it takes mere weeks to build somebody back up because. We all have short attention spans nowadays because that is the way that entertainment is presented to us. So if all of a sudden EC3 goes on to win the US title, IC title, world title, whatever, the rumor is that EC3 is going to face Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania. Let's say they have a really good build, a really good feud, and then Dean Ambrose loses to EC3 at WrestleMania. That's going to be a great introduction. And we're probably not going to be sat here talking about the time that he flexed in front of a mirror for some reason on SmackDown. But I just don't get it because... I thought the whole point of NXT was to build up personalities and to build up stock with these wrestlers that you can then introduce to the Raw and SmackDown audiences. That doesn't mean they have to watch NXT. It just means you've got stories and you've got, you know, uh, tent poles that you can then use to copy and paste across, be that vignettes or promos or whatever. And yet we've never done that. The only person I can actually remember, and I'm sure there will be somebody else. I mean, Sami Zayn was almost there. But in terms of one I felt like was a proper transition was Kevin Owens. You know, he came up with the NXT title. People explained he was a prize fighter. They told everything that he'd done down in development. So I was like, okay, that all makes sense. And I felt like people knew who he was because of it. 
And then yet, you know, moving on from that, which was a success, I believe, I, I can't think of a time when we've done it since. Like people at like the Revival came in, they beat the New Day day one, but then one got injured and that was it for them. Enzo and Cass are a story onto themselves. I mean, who, who saw all that stuff coming? Absolutely crazy. And you take some newer one like Sanity. Sanity got that mini push after you know the big change came in WWE, and we haven't seen them since. Which yeah, makes absolutely yeah. Where are they exactly? So where are they? So I just can't figure out why there isn't a set plan for everybody. It worked with Kevin Owens, and yet we won't go back to that well to do it with anybody else. I don't get it. Well, no, I mean Kevin Owens is a, a good example, but also I think he's he's a very special talent. He's got something that. Uh, maybe a lot are missing. He's one of my favourite in the in the current roster. Um, so maybe you have to be absolutely exceptional in order to excel. But I don't know if that goes all the way to explain why we've seen so many who did particularly well in NXT then kind of fall on their face as soon as they get to WWE. So I don't know what the solution is. Like, you know, if, if I did, I'd be a multimillionaire. But. Well, I think, surely, the first thing we should do is actually write six months. I mean, they're never going to do this. But write sort of long-term storylines for these people for when they come in. So I don't mind if ec 3 story is, oh, he's going to do this in front of the mirror because, you know, I know it sounds ridiculous. But on... Next week's episode of SmackDown, he's going to smash somebody with that mirror. I mean, that's bollocks. But you know what I mean? If it ties in and I can actually go, okay, at least there is something developing here that I am going to like it more than just, oh, he's in front of a mirror for some reason. But that's that's what I don't, yeah, that's what I don't, I don't believe they are doing that. And again, the rumor mill is just that Vince McMahon thought, well, it's better to get them on TV than not to get them on TV. So it's like, that's crazy. There has to be some meat on the bone. It can't just be something for something's sake. You know, you can't just have, like you say, you can't just have him flexing in front. What does that? What does that tell us about him? It doesn't tell us anything. Maybe that he's a bit vain. Great, that's been done a billion times already. No. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, you're right. They need something to propel them. They need some momentum. We've we've already got the momentum from the the shows in NXT. I don't see why they can't use that for inertia i don't see why they have to be something completely new i mean i, I accept that the nxt audience is a, a small subset of the overall wwe audience but why can't we show the wwe audience what happened in nxt why can't we i know yeah it's true history? why can't we show the fantastic matches that they've been been in you know why can't they just be a continuation of their existing characters that we know have succeeded I don't know the answer, but it's exactly that, right? It's exactly, exactly that. They should, yeah, use the, you know, weeks, months, maybe potentially even years of footage and story that you've got. You've got, that's why I don't get. Why aren't we using that? Surely that's 100% what we should be doing, but hey, I don't understand. Now, you haven't seen Raw or SmackDown. I'm going to look this up as I talk. Do you know about the, we'll call it sexualization spots? Have you heard about these? No, I haven't. Please tell me. Right, okay. I just want people's opinions. I've got a video going up on uh, What Culture probably today, and I'll probably you talk about it more in the in the actual sort of you know weekly uh, Wednesday podcast I'm doing on a Friday. Of course I am. But basically, and again, collaborated by uh, collaborated, I should say, by um, by Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer via his sources. You know, there was an episode on Raw 
an episode of Raw. A skit, a, a skit on Raw where Alexa Bloss, Alexa Bloss, what's going on? Alexa Bliss was caught with her top off. Basically, she, uh, an intern or a stagehand came. He knocked on the door. Nobody answered. He had a coffee for Alexa Bliss, and when she didn't answer, he just walked in, and again he caught her with her top off. Uh, she was covering up with a T-shirt, but it was a bit like, oh, well, that reminds me of stuff that we used to see and we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, I'm, I, you know, Again, I'm the first person to always say, if everybody involved in these skits wants to do it, it's not for me to comment. However, from an entertainment point of view, it's just not stuff I need to see on my wrestling in 2019. Just my opinion. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. Then on SmackDown, we had the continuation of the Jimmy Uso uh, Mandy Rose and Naomi storyline, where essentially Mandy Rose tricked Jimmy Uso to going into a hotel room to take pictures of him in an incriminating position and eventually stripped down to some lingerie. Now, the reason I wanted to ask your opinion on this is simply because I'm looking right now, the Alexa Bliss uh, segment with obviously a thumbnail <laughs> that you can imagine has done almost 6 million views and the Mandy Rose one has done almost 3 million views. Uh, just to give you an idea about other stuff that happened, the, the Fatal 4-Way from Raw has done 1.5 million views and nothing else really comes close. Now, again, it's all about what was agreed upon beforehand. If everybody involved gave it the green light and they want to do it, it's not for me to comment on. I'm, again, I'm allowed a preference from somebody sitting in front of their TV, but that's about as far as it goes. But, you know, again, this is me speculating here and kind of playing devil's advocate, to be fair, as well. But knowing what I know and interviews that I've seen with Alexa Bliss and Mandy Rose, they've certainly you know, expressed an interest in being professional wrestlers and training as professional wrestlers. And obviously Alexa Bliss was doing pretty well in that regard before she got concussed. So my thing is always, are we taking a step backwards here? And also, not only that, but you know, if you do want to go down the sexualization route, I think there has to be parity between men and women. Really, that's just what I personally think. You know, If you're going to show... TNA, as it used to be called, maybe you should do it both ways. Just, just my personal opinion. I don't know, but I'd like to get as a man who obviously lived through the Attitude Era, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Obviously, yeah. nowhere near what we were doing then. Let's not pretend otherwise. It wasn't offensive, and it was done as tasteful as you can imagine. It wasn't tasteful. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. just, in, I'm just intrigued what you see. I understand why they're doing it. I just read out the viewing figures. People want to watch this stuff, but I don't believe it's the problem. I don't believe it's the solution long term. Well, I think it's a big question. Um... And I, but for me personally, I think it, it is regressive, and I don't necessarily think it's it's positive uh, for the business. Now, you, you you've told me about the the page the, the video views on on YouTube, which signifies that those particular segments are po- are popular, which makes it difficult for me to argue against it. But at the same time, does that do those views translate into regular viewers? Necessarily? Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, because and it is, it's, it's pretty much cheap heat, isn't it, really? But, you know, it's a cheap thing to do. It's, it's easy for them to get. But I, do you think that that's what Alexa Bloss and uh, Mandy Rose <laughs> signed up for when they joined? Do you think that's what they, they look forward to when they joined the WWE roster? Or do you think that they probably wanted to do something a little bit different i I think that's the real question here and i I do think you do have to mention the women's evolution too because obviously you know pushing we're going to treat our ladies as athletes and they're not doing so creates its own questions but yeah to me the big thing it's all about what people want to do and i don't think you should ever put uh you should never stop that it's not my it's not my right and it's not my or anything to do with me if alexa bliss and mandy rose want to do that but it just seems funny 
funny is the right word. It just seems intriguing to me that clearly we've made a big, a big push to get away from this. And then all of a sudden when we need ratings, it's come back. Do you know what I mean? That's when all of a sudden you're like, well... I, don't, I, I just, I just, I just, I, I get it. I really, really do. I get it. But yeah, two things for me. Like you've already said, I don't believe it helps long term. And also, I think you kind of need to, you know, st- plant your flag in the sand here. You know, uh, which way, which way are we going? What direction are we going in? What exactly is the idea? And I'm sure it will help with the teenage audience. Again, five million or six million, whatever it was, clips, uh, views for that clip of, of, of Alexa Bliss. But I can only talk about it from my own kind of perspective. And again, all is fair when everybody gives the thumbs up. But I just don't want to... Yeah, I just, I just, just not what I want to see when I tune into wrestling. And I saw somebody make the point, well, this is a situation... With the SmackDown one with Naomi. Well, this is a situation that you would see in real life. So it should be represented... Uh, you know, in in wrestling, I don't agree with that at all. No, like, I, 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 there's so many. That's like saying we should we should get murder investigations into wrestling. I don't want that. Maybe I watch wrestling to different from you know differently to most people. But I just want to be entertained. I just want to have fun. And I guess in many ways, and as I add uh, as I add numbers to my age as as the years go by, I kind of almost just I want to have a childlike sensibility to it. I want it to be silly and over the top and fun because that's the reason I believe I, I I've watched it for so long is that it does create a fantasy world. And I don't necessarily want quote-unquote real situations being pulled into it no i agree with you um it's just because something happened in real life is absolutely no reason to have it, have it reflected in any way on the wwe product i watch it for the same reasons you i expect it's you know uh relief from real life it's it's i i enjoy it for its entertainment value and, and nothing else. I don't read into anything more than that. Um, it's, yeah, we don't have to have things on there just because they're happening in real life at all. No, no, I, I, I don't think so. But I, I, think, I think it's interesting. And I think it's a debate that's... Um you know there's gonna there's gonna go on and again each their own if you like it i'm certainly not saying that you're that you're wrong uh i am saying that's just my my personal opinion no yeah i don't think there's any there's any place for it necessarily within wrestling and i, I won't condemn it i won't go far as, as to say that but i, I won't enjoy it yeah, see, I don't enjoy it either. That's exactly it. I don't enjoy it. I just don't. And also, I genuinely, you know, I, I genuinely think that in 2019, if you if you're going to do that, you should offer something for everyone. So stick Finn Balor in a thong or something. I don't know. <laughs> like you know, make sure that you're I mean, you're addressing. Don't have it at all. But yeah, if you're going to do it, exactly like. Yeah, address everyone. Address all people. I thought that's what 2019 is all about. Let's address everyone. Anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, right, the Royal Rumble's coming up as well. I wanted to touch upon that. Everyone keeps... Uh, well, actually, the real thing we should talk about, obviously, is that Bro- uh, Braun Strowman was taken out of the Royal Rumble main event. Finn Balor uh, has been inserted into it. I think you could be quite cynical with this, and I, I wouldn't sort of... Um, disapprove too much of anyone saying it but it does kind of look like someone being like well we can't let Bra- we can't let braun lose but we don't mind finn losing however it has resulted in finn Balor getting a pretty b- uh, big push over the last couple of weeks what do you think about that are you happy about braun Strowman not being a main event uh, would you rather see finn Balor? and also really what's your you know what's your opinion on finn Balor kind of overall because you get some people that absolutely love him but then there is a, a contingent of people that will also say say actually i think he's kind of found his place where he is uh, no, I, I think he's probably underutilized, to be honest. I'm, I am a fan of Finn Balor. He, I, I'm excited about the prospect of him being in the main event, although 
having said that, I'm pretty sure he has no chance of winning whatsoever. <laughs> I, I think you know we're, we're more likely to see a match along the lines that, that we saw when you know Brock fought um, Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles, and I really, really did enjoy those matches. They were probably some of my favourite Brock matches of all time, and I'm a huge, huge Brock Lesnar mark. Um, so I am very much looking forward to that. And I hope that it leads to something else with Finn Balor as well. I think that, like I say, he has been underutilised. I think that WWE would benefit from pushing him more, having him have a more prominent spot. Um, so, yeah, that's my thought on that. I, I have Braun. I, I, I like Braun when he first came in. I had I thought he had a lot of potential. I don't know what get these hands is supposed to mean, but he... Um, I like him, but I, I'm not over-enamoured with him. So for him to be taken out, out out of the Royal Rumble doesn't hurt me so much. And it is, I think, Finn Balor is, is, is it's an interesting replacement. I agree with you. I, I don't see how he wins. So I think what it comes down to now is how do we get through this to where we don't just kill Finn Balor completely? Because... Anyone who, who you'd be able to put in that spot at this point and be able to have them be a realistic opponent for Brock. I, I, I think that just the situation that WWE has put itself in now with regards to Brock and the way he's been built, building up Braun previously, Roman Reigns, I think that they did that at, possibly at the expense of other talent. And maybe they, they put uh, cornered themselves a little bit, pushed themselves into a corner and that has caused this difficulty. I don't know what the answer is, but I think the potential is there for Finn Balor to, to excel in this match, and especially if, if Brock is happy to sell for him the same way he was happy to sell for Daniel Bryan in the Survivor Series, um, which you know is potentially unlikely as well. But if that happens, I think we could see then Finn be pushed the way he always probably should have been. And... That for me is more exciting than just this being a one-off match. Yeah, I think I think that's. I think that's the, the the thing for me is that you mentioned the Daniel Bryan thing and the AJ Styles thing. That's what we need to do. Uh, you know, that's what we need to do with um, with Finn Balor here. We need to make sure he gets through this match basically unscathed. <laughs> and even though he loses, he can come out looking like a badass because then there's loads you can do with him. Yeah, the other question is really in terms of if you want to bring kayfabe into it and he's got a big match he should really try and you know he should really use the demon persona if you think about it but i doubt that he will which makes no it's kind of hard right because you want him to use the demon persona because the demon persona is cool but then again if he comes out the demon persona and loses you're like well that was a waste of time however we haven't seen it since what SummerSlam, so that kind of starts begging the question because it's just gonna be confusing for some people if every now and then he just randomly comes out uh you know with this demon stuff so yeah, I, I don't know. I disagree with you slightly on that, Simon. I think that um, the Demon persona would probably not be a great idea for this particular match. If they were to have a, a longer run, if there was you know, two or three matches with Brock Lesnar, then perhaps you know, the last match he could bring out the Demon persona, and that would, be, that would make more sense to me. But I, I think just bringing it out because it's Brock Lesnar, it would be counterproductive. Do you think... Whoever Finn Balor has at Mania, you build to the demon coming back then. Is that a better way to do it? I don't know if, if even though it's, if it's just about the context of the show. I think it has to be the context of the feud. 
um, if that makes sense. Yeah, who does he even fight? Sorry, I just kind of start thinking, who does he even fight at WrestleMania? Like, what is even in the cards? Because let's say that he does hit a brick wall with Brock Lesnar. Okay, get it, we understand, but that's the end of that one. Where does he go? Because, I mean, Seth Rollins, arguably, is gonna, he's going to be the guy tied up with Lesnar. Let's say that Dean Ambrose EC3 rumors are true, so that's gone. Bobby Lashley, maybe? I mean, I don't really necessarily want to see a Bobby Lashley versus versus Finn Balor feud, but I don't know if Finn Balor goes after that. That's why I think it's doubly important that he makes sure that, you know, he does have a good match and is able to walk away with his head, his head held high because, you know, if not, we, we've seen what can happen with Finn Balor and I'd rather that didn't happen again because he's finally got some momentum. Yeah, I think... I don't know if I was booking, you know, in my imaginary world, I might even consider having Brock loose, uh, sorry, win against Finn, but with the potential involvement of another wrestler who would then feud with Finn uh, leading up to WrestleMania. And then that would be, that would be, I think that would be quite exciting to see. I mean, we don't, obviously Brock probably doesn't need any help and he probably wouldn't appreciate any help in, in the kayfabe sense. Um, but it would be really exciting to see, I think, a, a very, very um, even match at Royal Rumble between Finn and Brock, uh, only for Finn to be scuppered at the last moment, and then that would then lead on to a feud with that wrestler. Now, who that is? Good question. Maybe one of the call-ups, but I don't know. I'd like to see it. I, I, I'm excited about it as well. I think, especially because there's murmurings out there that Brock Lesnar actually requested this and said, look, I want to I wanna fight Finn Balor. And usually when Brock's into something, as you kind of touched upon earlier, Brock is brilliant. <laughs> like, I really like Brock Lesnar. When Brock Lesnar wants to go to work, there's few people as good as Brock Lesnar. Like, he is a, he's a one-of-a-kind athlete, as they always say, but it's true. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where we go with this. What about the Rumble itself? Obviously, on next week's episode of the podcast, we will talk about the Rumble more in depth as we lead up to it. But as I've got you here now, Toby, like, who do you want to win? I know Seth Rollins is the, is, is the obvious one. But, I mean, maybe you, have a, you kind of have a, an under-the-radar pick. I mean, you tell me. If you, get, if you get to book, I give you the reins to WWE. I have that power. <laughs> who, who do you want to win the Royal Rumble? And, and how, I'm, I'm also from there, you know, what do they do when they get to WrestleMania? Because, you know, in modern day... That means nothing when the Royal Rumble does not mean you're going to main event WrestleMania at all. No, absolutely. Um, now, I think that I, I fully expect Seth Rollins to win. Um, I, I think that the second most likely is uh, Drew McIntyre. Um, I don't want to see either of those two win. I think Seth Rollins is probably not as good as a lot of people think he is, at least in my eyes. Um, Dude, what have you done? I'm going to get some awful comments on YouTube. What? Tell me why. Let's start there. Why not? I mean, I like him. Don't get me wrong. I think he's great. I just think he's a little bit overexposed. I haven't really been uh, if especially excited about any of his any of his feuds, especially with Dean Ambrose. I'm, I think Dean Ambrose is... is he's, I, I don't think he's anywhere near as good as Seth Rollins, to be honest. I think he's by far overexposed. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got a great work rate. He's he's got a great um, he, he's great on the mic. I just don't think he's got the it factor that I like to see, and we all like to see in WWE. Fair enough, see. man. Fair enough. I respect it. I respect your honesty. Um, but who would win? Who I'd, I would like to win the Rumble? That is a very good question. I, do you know what? If Lars Sullivan, Lars Sullivan, even had been called up um, or had if he was in the Rumble, I would have kind of probably liked to see him 
win uh, as a complete sort of outside bet. You know, it would have been it would have been a fantastic introduction to him. I think he's got a great look. Uh, I think he's again he's a, he's a very good worker as well. And as as a as a new guy to come into the rumble that no one knows, but for him to win it, I think that would be probably the best push that any call up could hope to have. Uh, that would that would have been nice, but I understand that he's he's not going to be around for whatever reason. So in terms of people who are, are going to be in it, uh, I don't know. You, can have, you might have to remind me of some wrestlers who are in it. Oh, dude! I mean, let me, let me get up. Let me see if I can find if I go to Royal Rumble 2019. I bet I can get a list, and we can figure out because obviously it got changed after Raw. So the competitors at the moment are our truth Drew McIntyre, Biggie, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Seth Rollins, Jeff Hardy, Dean Ambrose, Bobby Lashley, Samojo, John Cena, Elias. Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Apollo Crews, Andrade, Mustafa Ali, and Rey Mysterio. So that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So we still have 12 people that can be in it. Uh, so maybe the winner isn't even there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think of the, the wrestlers that you mentioned, um, if I was booking, probably Samoa Joe or perhaps... Damn right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah up, isn't it? Um, maybe... The, the, is, has Andrade Cien Almas been repackaged as simply Andrade now? Apparently, loads of people lost their mind about that. Like, man, as, as long as he's being used well, I don't care. Like, call him, call him Ding Dong for all I yeah. care. Like, as long as he's being pushed and he's not just finished, uh, you know, he's not just vanishing from Raw, that's all good. It's all good. Like, just do what you want. I don't mind. I think I think he's got potential. I think he had oh, he's a, great. Yeah, he's really good. He had, he had a, a wonderful career before coming over to NXT. Um, it was incredibly popular in CMLL, as I understand. Uh, yeah, I, but I think Samoa Joe would pip it for me of the of the wrestlers you mentioned. Oh, man. I mean, it's never going to happen, but do you know how much I would love that? If I, if I was able to, yeah. If oh, I was able- dude, you're talking my language, my friend. I would absolutely love that. That would be the best. It'd be the absolute best, but yeah, that's unlikely. But you never know. You never know with the Royal Rumble. I do want to talk, as we just uh, we wrap this up, I do want to talk about Lars Sullivan quickly because I can't remember if we talked about it or not. Um, obviously, the, the rumor that he, he, he wasn't able to, to turn up for his uh, you know debut was because he suffered an anxiety attack. And, you know, as a man that likes to talk about mental health on my own personal channel, if you've never been, you can just find my vlog series on my YouTube channel, uh, The Miller Report Rules. Uh, it certainly sounds like WWE handled this very well. And I think, you know, we're all, we're all quick to jump down their throats. So credit to them if, if that is the case whatsoever. Like, you know, nobody plans to have a panic attack. I know I saw a few people going, oh, he's in for the push of his life. What an idiot. Yeah, well, brains are funny things and sometimes you can't control them. So yeah, that's you, not how it works, is it? No, it's not. Like you can have, I mean, I always go back to sort of famous people or, I mean, Chris Cornell, he had a tribute concert for him last night, I believe. You know, he had everything. He had the world on a platter. He was a famous musician with a wife and family, kids, money, and something, you know, he, he, he couldn't balance something out in his brain either and you know devastatingly he took his own life so you know if Lars Sullivan I mean fair play to Lars Sullivan as well because it takes it takes I sound a bit cheesy but it's true I think it takes proper courage to be able to go sugar this is not this is not right for me and walk away so I hope he comes back I hope he finds what he needs to come back yeah but I don't think we've talked about it on here before so as it came up I wanted to mention it and yeah hopefully it doesn't affect his push hopefully he can just walk back in and do whatever it is that, that he was meant to do because you know it's 2019 we should all be a bit more understanding about this stuff so yeah fingers it humanizes him he's a human he's a human being doesn't matter if he's six foot four and a monster yeah well that's not how this stuff works so yeah and and like exactly the same as you I'd like to see him be able to get get 
past his his issues, um, get better and, and come in and show, show us what he's capable of. Exactly. Get better. That is the best way to put it. I like that. Yeah, get better. Health is more important. And, you know, you, you've got the experience down in NXT. You've got the look. I don't think that should change anything. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Dude, is there anything you want to pimp out before we bring this uh, this bad boy to a close? No, nothing for me. I'm on uh, Twitter if anyone wants to follow me. I'm Toby Wonjabroni. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the best Twitter we've had so far. So there we go. You win that game. Uh, so, but that's all I've got. So if anyone wants Do to it. follow me, by all means. Toby Wonjabroni. Absolutely brilliant. Um, well, that's, that, that, I love that. That's made my day. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah excellent dude well thank you so much for your time um Thanks. like i say if you're around sort of in a month or so or six weeks whenever we, we can get you back on definitely stay in touch and, and, and we'll do that um and maybe i'd like to do an episode on ecw i thought now i will think about this and I, and I will send you a message i think there's more we could have talked to about that because ecw is such a an interesting creation all around it is and, and you, the fact you got in at the right time you understand the context probably more than i was 100 more than i do I, you know I, I was a retroactive ecw fan so yeah we'll absolutely have to get back on hopefully there'll be some kind of occasion we can uh yeah we can we, we can look at it and go and go from there um but yes look um thank you very much for joining me my friend again if you're listening to us on saturday please do go back 24 hours and make sure you uh hear the first episode this week i know it's all crazy this week but hey what are you going to do such is life uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at SimonRidder316. All this is also on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash the middle report rules. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash SimonRidder316 is the place to go to support all of this. And Toby, thank you so much again for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It has been, dude. I really, I really, really enjoyed it. That was a real nice, serious conversation about pro wrestling. And that's what this is all about. That's why I started doing it. I love it. Uh, but did you take care of yourself? We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And yeah, I'll chat to you next week. Yeah.